You know, if you notice, last week I was gone, and we took a vacation. We actually took a vacation. And we went to the Grand Canyon with the Babris uh, the first couple of days. And uh, we stayed at this Airbnb, which was right between Flagstaff and Williams, Arizona, on a dirt road, which takes five miles to drive to stay there. Now, after we said goodbye to the Babris, we were checking the weather for storms. Now, I don't know about you, but you live in California. You're not used to storms. And I had a, actually an ice scraper in my garage that I happened to throw in there and didn't realize I was using it. Didn't need, realize I needed it. And so we went to the Grand Canyon and we checked on the, the, the weather and it said it's going to storm at the Grand Canyon. But we just left the Grand Canyon and missed the storm. And then we drove up to what's called Bryce National Park in Utah, which is elevations over 8,000 feet. And a storm just hit, and we go, come on, we can't get in the storm, we can't get in the storm. So when we left, the storm hit. Then we went to Zion National Park, and we did all of Zion National Park, and we're checking the weather and all that stuff. And sure enough, Jennifer tells, us, tells me, an hour after we left Zion National Park, it started a snowstorm. And so avoiding these incredible storms of life that we try to do, then all of a sudden, do you see this on the freeway? This is Victorville. We got stuck in a snowstorm in Victorville. Who does that? <laughs> if the elevation is less than 3,000 feet and we got stuck, so we had to stay the night in Victorville. But the cool thing about the Victorville experiences is basically we met up with another couple that are friends of ours, that were stuck in the same thing going to see their family, and we spent an impromptu Thanksgiving dinner with them. And so what's amazing about this, even in the storms of life, that there's some beauty in it. Now, going back to our Airbnb, you have to understand, just like um, the, the wise men had this urge to follow a star, and I woke up 4.30 in the morning having the same urge to follow a star. The star was named Box, but it's a different star. And so I scraped the ice off the car at 4.35 in the morning because I have an addiction called Starbucks. And I had to drive through a dirt road for five miles and then hit the freeway 13 miles, then get reception, then find the Starbucks. And I'm on Mocha Frappuccino. <laughs> and what's interesting, it's the most beautiful part of the day, is I put it on the screen, it's a dawn. Because it's still dark, but there's a light right there, a glow that, that reminds us that there's going to be light coming real soon. Now, this is what I want to talk about because Advent is, is about this. If you look on the screen, so it's still dark during dawn, but that first glimmer of light that appears before sunrise is a promise of what to come. Soon there will be a sunrise and a new day filled with light. Today is the first day of Advent, and as we know and understand what Advent is, Advent is the arrival of the first glimmer of what is to come. Those who are awake at dawn can see it and point to what is to come, a new day. Followers of Jesus are people of the dawn. Although it's still night, we are up watching for the dawn and something new. And when we see it, we point to it as we promise of what is about to come in its fullness. 
The Apostle Paul talks about this. And I love Paul because he writes most of the New Testament. He says this, the night is gone, but the day is near. It's interesting, isn't it? What's he referring to? The dawn. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the work of darkness. And then he says, put on the armor of light. Now, when I decided to go to Starbucks, I had to get dressed for the day in the midst of the darkness, right? Most of us do this on the work. If I got up and didn't get dressed for the light, I would have been dead in my underwear trying to scrape ice off a car. I get dressed for the day in the darkness, correct? This is what we do, unless you start work at noon, <laughs> you know? And so this is where Paul is exalting us, that in that dawn area, that we need to clothe ourselves differently. We need to clothe ourselves from the clothes of darkness into the clothing of light. But he uses this analogy of the armor of light, which is fascinating if you think about this. Now, there, Brian, Brian Brown, Brian Brown, Brene Brown, phenomenal writer. Can't pronounce her first name, but I'm reading a book, just finished a book called Dare to Lead. And it's a fantastic book because I like it so much different because she talks about leading with authenticity rather than armor. And what it is, is a lot of us wear armor instead in leadership or school or work or whatever we do, an armor of protection because we want to project that we have it all together. And so therefore, when we project, when we lead with armor and live with armor, then we do not have the authenticity of connecting with one another because we're pretending we have it all together and we don't. And here's the thing that I love. At dawn, it is still dark. We have gone through the dangerous of night, and yet it's still dangerous. Why? Because it's still dark, and dangers hide in the dark. Attacks almost always come out of the dark, and we tend to lock the doors, take more protective steps in the dark, because what we can't see can harm us. We can sit in the most beautiful area in the world, but when it's dark, we don't see it. And when, we don't, when we're in the darkness, then it produces fear until the dawn hits. This is where the clothes of darkness are not working anymore. We have to begin to wear this new armor. And Paul describes it, the armor of light. The light is coming. The nighttime armor is not working anymore. And this is where analogy, where I look at spiritual darkness versus spiritual light. Because some of us right now are going through a dark period of our life that all of a sudden we're not seeing the dawn, but yet we're not preparing to wear the armor of light. It's interesting, what do you do when you're waiting? The, the, the Apostle Paul talks about this, and I, I love this analogy. He says this, let's behave appropriately instead of going in a panic. As people who live in the day, not in partying or getting drunk or not in sleeping around, not obscene behavior, not in fighting or obsession, Paul knows a few types of armor that people put on in the darkness. Now, follow me here. The armor of numbing. 
I don't want to feel, so therefore I numb myself. Have you ever done that? See, numbing is a way to ignore the negative feelings. Paul gives some examples of excessive behaviors like drunken partying and what we would like, what would now cause sex addiction, but we can find all kinds of excessive behaviors that helps us, quote, take, off the, ed- take the edge off. Our negative emotions. Here are some common modern ones. Workaholism, compulsive overeating, social media addiction, binge watching TV, anything that starts with binge. You know, binge, 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 and even religious obsession. The second thing, the armor that Paul is talking about that we need to take off is what I call deflection. Because we can deflect. We're really good at that. Because I don't want to deal with my own stuff. I'm going to deflect it, focus on your stuff. Deflection is a way to ignore these negative feelings by focusing our attention on others. Paul talks specifically about fighting obsession. About fighting, he means being quarrelsome. By obsession, he means an unhealthy focus on resentment, bitterness, jealousy, and envy of others. This is what we're calling the source of the dark armor. But it's interesting, before I let something go, what is it that I need to go? What is the source of this dark armor? Well, you look at Apostle Paul, he makes it clear what this dark armor is. He says in Romans chapter 3, 12, instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need to put on. And make no provision, here it is, for the flesh to gratifying its desires. Now, when I first went in the ministry, you know, we heard the scripture a lot using the flesh, and I didn't understand what it meant to be led by the flesh. I would think, you know, skin, and you're just, oh, I can't control myself. You know, I'm a zombie robot. But if, if you look at this and understand psychology or so, sociology, the flesh in those terms is what we call the ego. The ego is the one that gets us in trouble. This is where we get the self-righteousness, self-centered, narcissistic little attitudes about it's about me and it's about my body, and it's about me. And so to do the desires, we have to be, to do the desires of the, of the armor of light, we have to be careful about removing the old armor of ego. You watch how many people are bitter for a long time, or resentful for a long time. You know what's holding that? Is the old armor of ego. It's hard to forgive and let things go when your ego is so involved in it, the old armor. Although the ego is necessary for survival, unless we can transcend the desires of the ego, we are stuck putting on the same old armor we need when we are in the world ruled by spiritual darkness. Now, Paul tells us what to put on instead of our ego. He says it right there. Paul tells us to put on the armor of light. And then he tells us to put on Christ, which means instead of clothing ourselves with ego, we may learn to clothe ourselves with, and get this, the mind of Christ. This is why it talks about transformation begins by the renewing of your mind, the way you think. Can you imagine if we decide to put the mind of Christ on during the season? What does Christ see? What does... What is breaking Christ's heart today? 
we can walk past homeless people all the time because we're so engaged in what we need to do that we, we have a lack of empathy for a lot of things. I'm not saying throw money to everyone, you know, and stuff. Be cognizant of what the Lord putting on your heart. Now, what does the light do? The light, what it does, it lights up darkness, doesn't it? It takes something that is so dark in our life and lights it up. This is why we say Jesus is the light of the world. We look at our society, we look at the United States, we look at our culture, we look at the world and we say, man, it's this dark place. But in the darkest places is where the light shines the brightest. I mean, I don't know. Just plain physics, you can figure this out. But here's, what are the, I, I call these the two light bulbs. There's two bulbs that I call that really are Christ's light. And the Apostle John, John talks about these. He says, and the world becomes flesh and lived among us. And we are seen in his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace, bulb number one, and full of truth, bulb number two. Those are the two that light up the world, grace and truth. You can't live with one without the other. You have to have grace, you have to have truth. Grace and truth, you cannot have one without the other. Jesus fully embodied both equally the same. And if you try to have one without the other, you get only half of Jesus and you lose the light. And so this is where I, I, I get, you know, I think it's Maria. Where's Maria? She, she was here. Oh, there she is in the back. She's the one that came up during a prayer time. Um, wouldn't it be great to have no judgment, only love? I'm the one that gets criticized by it. I don't say, this is Maria's idea. This is, wasn't mine. I wanted more judgment, no love. That's what I wanted. <laughs> but no, Maria's on her board. She's the one that said it, so I need to do it. No. But it's interesting how they say, look, what is it only love is basically, how do you speak the truth in someone's life? Now, the Bible is clear. You speak the truth in what? Love, okay? Only love. But a lot of us feel that we have to stand up and speak the truth in judgment. And so the thing is, it's funny because people said, what are you standing for? What are you doing? I mean, are you standing or are you just go for anything? No, we're standing. We're standing for what is true. Bless you. God bless you. What, are you going to the hospital now? Just blew out a lung. That's what he did. <laughs> and so, no judgment, only love. <laughs> and so, anyway, so the thing is, a lot of people have this thing about being what they call the spiritual police. It's their job. It's their job to tell you what you're doing is wrong. It's your job to say, you know what? Because I am self-righteous and I know everything, that what your interpretation is absolutely wrong. And it's funny because they don't know. They go, well, it's somewhere in the Bible. You know how they do it? The Bible says where? Well, somewhere. Because basically, people go like this. They're taught this when they're young. And so, therefore, they just carry it without even knowing the word of God. 
And so therefore, they have this self-righteous game, which guess what's playing is the ego, the old way of clothing yourself. See, that kind of truth is the old dark armor and the ego. It creates division, quarreling, the very thing Paul warns us about. Truth without grace is a lie. But on the other example, is grace without truth or truth without grace? Now, I don't know about you. If maybe you guys don't know this. Do you, do you guys know that I'm white? Do you guys? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you thought I was a different race. I'm as white as you can get, okay? My mother's Irish. My dad's Scottish. My mother, Irish people are known for their temper. Scottish people are known for being tightwads. So I'm a hot-tempered tightwad, you know, if I, if, I, if I take my thing. But here's the thing about my people. It's almost like I'm telling people that of color that the oppression that they live with and have lived with generations, that I say, it's time to get over it. It's time to move on. I don't do that. I can't do that. Kumbaya. Kill them with kindness? Because that's grace, but that's without truth. It's their truth. It's what they've gone through. Just because I haven't gone through it doesn't mean it's not true. And so this is important that we speak for the truth and we speak to others that we can speak on their behalfs of the oppression other people are going through. See, grace without truth is not grace because when there is no grace, there is no need for grace. Grace without truth is just another ego game which requires someone to become a heroic martyr so that someone else can keep living a lie. The armor of light we wear must be like Jesus Christ. It must be grace and truth equally. It has to be. Simultaneously at the same time. If we are to be children of the dawn, we must have only one piece of armor. That armor is a light that shines in the darkness. The remedy for darkness is to hold the light of Christ at all times. Last week, my understanding is Pastor Reuben did an exceptional job, which is hard to follow somebody that's done an exceptional job. You want someone to just totally bomb, and then you come back and they go, thank God you're here. You know, that, that's the ego, isn't it? That's not grace. But Pastor Reuben really loves Father Greg Boyle. And one of his favorite books is Tattoos of the Heart. And uh, he showed a video of it, but the Tattoos of the Heart has an incredible story about light. The story is about Lewis, this brother, Lewis, who was in rehab for only one month, and his brother was killed. And so Father Greg Boyle picked him up at the rehab uh, to bring him to his own brother's funeral. And I'll read what he says. This is Father Boyle. He says, when I arrive to the rehab center, Louis greets me with a hug. And once in the car, he launches in. I had a dream last night, and you were in it. In the, in the dream, he tells me the two of us were in this darkened room, no lights whatsoever, no illuminated exit signs, no light creeping from under the door, total darkness. We are not speaking, but he knows I am in the room with him. Then silently, I pull a flashlight from my pocket 
and aims steadily at the light switch across the room. Louis tells me that he knows that only he can turn the light switch on. He expresses his gratitude that I happen to have a flashlight. Then, with great trepidation, Louis moves slowly towards the light switch, following closely the guiding beam of light. He takes a deep breath. He flips the switch on. And now the room is flooded with light. As he tells me this, he begins sobbing. And the light, he says, is better than the darkness. Although he had not known this was the case, he cannot turn the light switch on for anyone. But we all own flashlights. With any luck, on any given day, we know where to aim them for each other. It's a fantastic analogy about the light. When we were in Bryce Canyon, uh, Jennifer took this picture of the sun with a beauty. And the thing is, we were walking up to this, and I was walking like this, don't fall, don't fall, don't <laughs> fall, because I'm wearing tennis shoes and I don't have snow boots. But walking towards the light's incredible. Because when you decide to put the armor of light on, you can see the beauty of the world. You can see the beauty of your relationships. You can see the beauty that you've taken for granted. It's interesting, it takes a lot of pictures of everything. And lo and behold, she finds this plaque that's at the Grand Canyon. I've never seen it. I still haven't seen it. I think she's lying to me. But I look at this picture. And it says this. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides upon the clouds. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Whatever darkness you're facing right now, Knowing, know this, there's a dawn. Start clothing yourself with armor of light. Start seeing things. As Father Greg Boyle, everyone has a flashlight that points to the switch. And so whatever circumstances you're going through, I just pray, Lord, that you will see the dawn. That you will see that there's going to be light in this incredible life that we serve. So I want to give each one of you a blessing. It says this, it's on the screen. May you be a child of the dawn. May you put away the armor of darkness and put on the armor of Christ's light. And may you arm yourself with the light of Christ. Be the remedy for the darkness others are walking in, even now. May God bless you and may God bless his word.